The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Listen to this story. Many years ago, I went to yeshiva. And I went to an Israeli yeshiva, Yeshivat Itri, Yerushalayim Erakodesh. The greatest years of my life. I wouldn't trade those years for anything in the world. Wow. Can't even describe to you in words how I lived in those years. And maybe not physically so advanced, maybe not so luxurious, not at all. Yeshiva, they didn't have a washer and dryer. And Yeshiva was at the end of Jerusalem, was hard to get into town. There were times where I cleaned my own shirts. An American boy, listen, my own shirts in the sink by hand, just to have a shirt for Shabbat. If I would tell you how many Shabbatot, I went into Shabbat with a damp shirt, hoping that it would dry on time. I'm not talking about in the comforts of this world department. I'm telling you what I was able to enjoy of Eretz Yisrael and learning of those years. It was the Gan Eden of my life. I want to trade those years for nothing. And anybody out there that went to Israel and learned in yeshiva there for a year or two, I think you know what I'm talking about. How do you put it into words? Can you describe? Can you describe the Kotel on a Friday morning, Vatikin? Could you describe a Thursday night learning all night and then jumping into the taxi with your friends and getting to the Kotel at four o'clock and saying Tikkun Hatzot and praying Vatikin and coming back, stopping off by angels, picking up a good kakash cake for Shabbat and coming back and sleeping in the afternoon, running into the mikveh, coming into Shabbat like a king? Could you describe things like that? And people don't get like, yeah, so big deal. You have no idea what I'm talking about. In those years, I was surrounded by many unbelievable Israeli boys that I got to know and later on became my best friends. But as an American, it took a little time to understand the differences, language, culture. There was a guy there in Yeshiva who later on became one of my best friends. Somebody that was off the charts special. His name is Yanki Arnstein. His family originated from Belgium. This guy was brilliant. Talent like you've never seen. He spoke 20 languages. You know, you, you know the Belgium. They speak every language that ever existed. I mean, anything. You name it. Flemish, German, and, 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 and you know, every type of French, and Belgium French, and Paris French, and different dialects of Deutsch. These guys are just off the charts. How do they remember those languages? Crazy. Unbelievable. We got very close. Me and Yankee became best friends. At the time, he was going out with a girl, and he just got himself a new car that his grandfather bought him. And we came Benazmanim. We went around with that car. These were the days. And we became like brothers. Mamash. Yanki got married. And I was very close with that couple, him and his wife. His wife was such a wonderful person. Such good people. And Be'emet, I did something very special for his wedding. We put on a flying carpet act by his wedding. Something that an Israeli wedding has never seen before and probably will never see again. I got a bunch of guys 
to dress up like Arabs in robes. And they took a board and we put on top of it this Persian carpet. And then on the sides, we had these long white sheets coming down. And then I put like, you know, uh, the clowns in the circus inside the convertible. So I put a bunch of these clowns underneath the board with the carpet on top. It looked like the board was just going on its own. It was levitating, not that you see the people underneath holding the board. And then I jumped on top of the board and I was dressed like Aladdin. When I was young, there was this big poster for Aladdin coffee in Israel that the guys in yeshiva used to bring back and they would put on my door in the dormitory because they thought I looked exactly like the poster. I don't look anything like it anymore, but I'm talking about when I was 19, 20. And we did everything. We made the wedding. It was something that blew the people away. It was a whole act with dancing and up and down. And so when I, when I, the reason why I'm telling you this is because you don't do that for anybody. You do that for your best friend. I did that for my best friend. And then after that, we made up that I'm going back to America. I'm going to find somebody, a wonderful sadeket of a, a future partner in everything I do, Favodata Kodesh, my wife. And we're going to come back to Israel. Amor Hashem, I found an amazing girl from the greatest family in the world. And I married her. And we came back to Israel, even though it was not easy for her at all. It was very tough. But she did it for me in my learning. And my assumption was that when you have two guys who are best friends in yeshiva, and then they both go out and marry, obviously it's automatic that A equals B and B equals C. So A equals C. Do you remember the law of, of equation, equality? that was what they called it in geometry in my day so if i'm best friends with yanki and yanki's best friends with me then the one that's good with me automatically will be good with the one that's good with him right wrong completely wrong i come back with my wife and we had such expectations we were going to be those two great couples that, you know, do everything together, blah, blah, blah. It didn't make it past the first Shabbat. The Yetzer Hara got in there. And we were supposed to go. And my wife wasn't feeling well. And his wife cooked. Why didn't you come? It was over Shtuyot. Nobody was right. Nobody was wrong. It was over nothing. But the minute our wives didn't see eye to eye, Guess where our relationship went? And I cried that I lost my best friend. And no one in the world should ever, God forbid, be a tug of war between, stuck between his wife and his best friend. But it was a tough place. It's a tough place. And that was my first six months in Israel. And it was tough enough that my wife was away from home. Those years, the call America on Bezek, a dollar ninety-nine a minute. It's not like today that everyone goes to Israel, couples, and they have their little laptops and they're watching It's not like that. We have internet phones and you can call on WhatsApp for free. Those days you couldn't call. 
you're on a kolel budget. When my wife would call her mother, I had this little hourglass and I turned it over. I told her, keep your eye or else we can't afford the call. There were phone calls. There were certain calls that were over $150. So when you're there in Israel, you need the support of everyone you can get. At least 25 years ago when we were there. And boy, did I need the support of the friends to befriend her so that my learning could work in the land that made me. And Hashem had a different plan. And it was, it was nobody's fault, but he had said how I got in there. And we went from best friends to hello and goodbye. What a shame. We walk in the street and harn off together and bump into each other. Hi. Bye. That was it. And I killed me. And I know it killed him. I know it. I know it. I saw it on his face. But he knew that I knew that he knew that I knew that we couldn't do anything about it. Because neither side. This went on for months. Six months of a cold war. Between two best friends. Till one day. One morning I got a phone call that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. It was five in the, five in the morning. The phone was ringing and I picked it up and it was my mother calling from America. My mother is one of the strongest women you'll ever meet. Physically and emotionally. She's a powerhouse. Everyone asks my father, your sons, my mother. She's a powerhouse. We meet her. Time to give her. My mother calls me that morning and her voice cracks and she begins to cry over the phone. I, I can't remember ever hearing my mother cry growing up. She's not a crier. Not at all. She breaks and cries. And I was, I was, I was, I was expecting the worst. And she said, Dovi, remember your grandfather for who he was. He loved you not as a grandson, but as a son. You were his first and you were his favorite. And then I knew and understood exactly what she was telling me. My grandfather passed away. Oh, he was, I broke him. He was like a second father to me. You know, because my father came originally from Morocco. We had no family growing up in America. We only had one side. We only had my mother's family, not my father's. So my mother's family, my grandfather, Allah Shalom. He was literally every, he was like two grandfathers to us. Every Hanukkah. Shabbat, I mean, we were by them all the time in Brighton Beach. Wow. All the time. It was much more than just a grandfather. And he passed away. It broke me to pieces because I was, I was so close with him. I was like a son to a father. And when I heard that, I was broken. I was so, so broken. That that morning, I couldn't leave the apartment. I prayed at home. I just sat on the couch looking at the walls. I didn't eat. I couldn't eat. My, fa my, my father-in-law, 
Butchie, everybody knows him. He told my wife something so brilliant. He said, listen, your husband just lost a grandfather, but to him it was like a father. Give him his space. Let him mourn. Give him his room. And the hurt that I was in Israel, and I could no way. I tried. I called up every type I was going to pay any money. But there was no flight that could get me to American time to make it to the to the funeral. So the funeral went on and I had to hear it by phone. The crying and the brokenheartedness. And I wanted to speak. I wanted to tell everybody who he was. They knew he was a great man, great man. And he was buried and a part of me was buried with him. And I sat on that couch in the Harnoff apartment for a week straight, broken to pieces. I couldn't go to yeshiva. I couldn't go to David. I, I was just done. Broken. I was broken. One morning, I'm sitting there broken, looking at the walls. My wife went out because she had a job and a gun. Ten minutes later, there's a knock on the door. Thinking, who in the world was knocking on the door at this hour? Every guy I know is in yeshiva. My wife is at work. The neighbors are even gone. I woke up. I opened the door. And there he was. My best friend, Yankee Arnstein, looking at me. He didn't say a word. He just opened his arms. And he gave me a hug. And he said to me, you must be broken. I know that he was like a father to you. I know you need somebody now. I'm going to be there for you. This story happened over 25 years ago. I'm still telling this story till today. Every year on Tisha B'Av in the nine days. Because when I was broken and when I was down, and when I was in Avelut, there was nobody around. And this guy shows up out of the blue and puts all the shtuyot aside and puts all the garbage aside and shelves all the nothingness of stupidity of nothing, of just stam, ases, satan, yetzerhara. And he says, you know what? Doesn't matter. Who cares about the beef? Right now, he needs me. Right now, he needs a friend. I'm going to be a real friend to him. And he showed up at my door at the moment that I needed somebody the most. And he picked me up off that floor. And that hug changed my whole stay in Israel for that year. It pulled me out of the depression. It pulled me out of the pain. Pulled me out of the hurt. One hug. We sat and we talked. We cried and we laughed. 
and he brought me back to life. And I was good. And I will never forget what you did for me, Yankee, that day. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.